Welcome to the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. Welcome to the Prog Talks, an interview series by the Prog Space where we will be talking to musicians in all corners of the progressive music scene. Hello everyone, welcome to the Prog Talks with uh, Uncle Prog, Juna Belsvigdenos, as your host again today. Uh, today the Prog Talks could really be named as uh, something like bearded Norwegians chat to each other or something, but uh, <laughs> because I have with me uh, three musicians from Norwegian band Laughingstock, which re recently released their new album Zero Acts 1 and 2, which I'm very excited about. So, hello guys, how are you doing? Hello. Good yeah. fun, thank you. Yeah. Everyone doing okay in in Norway there, and uh, and um, I just wanted to start by congratulating you on the release of Zero Acts One and Two. It's been out for since March the nineteenth, right? Was that was the release day date? So, yeah. how um, are you happy about the reception so far, uh, Jan Mikal? Yes, uh, we are very happy about it, and. Uh, uh, we have seen it both on our Bandcamp site uh, with a lot more listenings, streamings and sales and on Spotify and um, uh, um, YouTube, yeah. Yeah, YouTube and uh, you know, all the comments from, uh, from, from people all around the world. Uh, it was quite different with the, the island last year. Yeah. Uh, so... But that was in uh, in the middle of the summer and sort of a re-release for us. So yeah, it's been a whole different story this time. Yeah, what about you other guys, Ovid, uh, Jan Erik? Happy about the uh, the release of the album? Yeah, and, uh, and the first thing is that I'm really really happy about the album as such. Uh, it's I think it's uh, by far our best album and. I think the process uh, by which we made the album, the concept and the songs and uh, the arrangements, everything has been uh, a unit uh, group uh, effort. And I think the results were very good. Yeah. And, uh, it's, ve it's very fun. It's great to to see that in some of the reviews as well, that, uh, that they appreciate uh, this album especially. And that makes me happy <laughs> yeah yeah i have been looking at at some of the reviews that has come out for the album and uh, generally i think they they seem to be very positive they seem to be impressed with the with the new album and uh you know not maybe not all of our listeners will, will or watchers will will know you guys so could you tell us a little bit about the the start of the the band project i know that uh jan erik and jan mikkel you guys have been playing together or known each other musically since forever, right? That's you started playing out playing way back in <laughs> in the day. Oh this that's that's your Mikael and Hova. They started oh, like Hover, yes. when, yeah yeah. When they were like seven, eight. Oh really? Was yeah. That, <laughs> yeah. Ah, I think ah. Maybe. They were really small. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, we we met each other when we were four. 
Yeah. yeah. Full of big ideas then. And yeah. uh, when we were 12, we started the first time. Crazy dogs. <laughs> so I, I, didn't, I didn't meet... Uh, uh, I first met uh, Jan Mikael at, um, when I was like 18, 19, I think. Yeah. And uh, before that, I just looked at him as a very scary guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but uh, at, I think we met at a party or something a Saturday, probably. And then we we start talking, and uh, we had like the common uh, sense of music mm. and uh, common sense of the artists and stuff like that. So, from I think that uh, that on, we just started a new band <laughs> yeah exactly and, uh, and uh from yeah i think that was the start uh when we were like 18 19 years old or something so um we know each other for quite uh, uh quite uh, some years but uh with laughing stock i think we have found more like the core of um, our musicianship or yeah yeah because because you guys have even if you have been playing together for a long time and you have had other band constellations right laughingstock has more or less existed from what i could find from around 2016 and then you released the first album in 2018 uh like uh with your own label or or like a uh independent release right Yes, that's right. And uh, to uh, follow up on uh, the story from Jan Erik, uh, we, we all, all three of us went to the same um, uh, high school. High school, yeah. Ah, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. In, in Tunsberg, yeah. Uh, started up in 1989. And uh, Hovar and I were in the same class. We went to the music uh, uh i like the the, yeah i see <laughs> the music the music class the music line on the in the school yeah. or yeah i see yeah yeah and we known each other for many years before that and we were quite uh uncool unhip <laughs> guys who were listening to the beatles and xtc and pink floyd stuff like that yeah uh so when we had our band it was not very um uh, in the times, so to speak, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, we were laughing stock, I think, at school. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Jan Erik, I, I knew who, who he was, but he was with the hip cool guys. Oh, and they yeah, had, I uh, see. Their, uh, yeah, and they had another band, uh, and they were up to date with the indie rock and uh, more current kind of so, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, they were placed uh, at a higher level level than us, and in school at school. <laughs> and uh, so it's true uh, when Janerik says uh, it was at a party when we were around 18 years old. Uh, and we, uh, I first spoke to him because uh, they were uh, the hip guys, <laughs> the footballers. <laughs> I see, I and, see. Uh, <laughs> and Jan Mikkel and I, we played in a band together from 86 until 92. And then I, I traveled away to to study and then he had to find some new uh, new people to play with yeah <laughs> new friends then, then Jan Eric was there yeah <laughs> there was Jan Eric 
Yeah, but it's almost the same time uh, we stopped playing. You start playing with uh, Jan Erik. Yeah, I just wanted to show this one. This is, uh, can you see it? I don't see it. It's a a tape. Yeah, it's a dead. uh, Yeah, yeah. it's a a cassette uh, from uh, Crazy Dogs, our first band, Hover and I. This is from uh, 87, I think. Demo. uh, yeah, <laughs> but we called it a release, and it even has the, uh, yeah. uh, the lab- label. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, uh, that yeah. We, uh, we use it. Uh, that's why it's, it says on our, our releases, J M H E. Yeah, uh, nineteen eighty six, because we started our own record label in eighty six, but only we knew about it. <laughs> But uh, that name has been stuck onto it, and when uh, Jan Erik joined, his name is Jan Erik, so uh, he has the same initials. So yes, so now... it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it worked out. We didn't have to change anything. And yeah. I think uh, I think we should mention that uh, as well as uh, Jan Mikael and I. There was a third person in in the bands uh, called uh, called Bjorn. Is my brother. And he's also a bit of a prog rocker these days with a band like uh, Nanmadol. Ah, so we, your brother so plays also, in Nanmadol, yeah. Yeah. Is so he, he was in that band too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like the, the the Norwegian prog rock scene in general is like, you know, people over the last maybe 10 years, you feel so many bands had start, you know, crawling out of the woodworks and there are so much stuff happening also of course around the fact that we have labels like charisma and apollon now where where you are signed to bring this music from norwegian bands out to the world world so that's 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 very very cool i think yeah and uh, um you know i i've been looking at the reviews of your album and i've been you know writing a little bit about it myself for the prog space and you guys aren't the easiest to categorize you know because you just you don't fit like perfectly into like the prog rock box or whatever how would you self-describe your music and and what inspirations go into it i feel like there's a bit of folk there even i feel like there's a bit of americana in there as well i, I may be wrong but that's impressions i get so so what is your um you know what goes into the music of uh, of Laughingstock. Uh, I think uh, what Jan Erik said was quite accurate. That it's uh, sort of an essence of all the things we have, uh, have listened to all our lives. And uh, I thought, actually, thought in the nineties uh, when I was very obsessed with uh, Alice in Chains and Soundgarden, and on to Pantera and uh, harder stuff like that. Yeah, I thought I never would listen to what I listened to when I was a kid in the eighties, but I was so wrong. Uh, these things has turned out to be a long-lasting uh, um, story of my life. Really, yeah. I, I really can't pinpoint any band or any artist I've ever liked that I don't like anymore. We started off with uh, Howard Jones and Nick Kershaw, and I still like those guys. I still follow what they are doing. And uh, went on to Talk Talk, Tears for Fears, XTC. And um, it's been a lasting impression in all the things that I've listened to over the years. 
it's just been uh, adding to uh, the foundation. Yeah, really. I see. And uh, I can show you another thing. Uh, around 2000, I played in a band called Gate Nine. Yeah, and we, we released one album in the US. Not successful, of course. <laughs> but uh, at the time, I was very into the doom stoner rock movement, and I think that's uh, that's been a, been a, accompanying me uh, ever since. Especially bands like Crowbar and uh, those kind of bands. Mm, I see plays this very melodic. Uh, Yes, doomy. Yeah, 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 and very, very harmonized uh, riffs. Not to drop the uh, all-out riffing, but the harmonized, uh, very beautiful kind of playing that I uh, tried to incorporate to the Zero album, uh, like in in the song "Nighttime" and the final passage. There, it's uh, it's not. uh, power chords when I play uh, a distorted guitar, but I play uh, uh, two tracks and uh, harmonize with one tone, if you know. Mm-hmm. So it gets a fuller, richer, more stereo sound like Kirk Winstein and Crowbar always does. Yeah. And you remind me of him. You look exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, I guess. <laughs> but yeah, I, I can sort of hear that. You know, I actually looked into that earlier and and found the, the the gate nine stuff and 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 um, the fact that you had been part of a metal band or at least a doom doom uh, stoner kind of project and when listening to the album after that i it sort of makes sense because there are so many influences going into your music and and that's you know just one of them also the the sort of the overall atmosphere of the album you know I don't know if I would call it somber, but it's it's very melancholic. So yes. I wonder how do you guys go? How do you guys create this this uh, you know emotional melancholic sound? What is the what goes into that uh, that uh, song songwriting procedure for you guys? I would like to say that uh, it's it's so for me at least at uh, at least and I think maybe for the others too it's the same same kind of writing as we always done. Yeah, we have a song on the, on the island called Thirty Years, which is a celebration that the Omnicron and I have played together in thirty years. And uh, uh, there's a line there: uh, we, we will make the same old songs with the same same sad songs with the same old chords. So that, that's a bit of, uh, of picking on, us, on ourselves for uh, for doing it the old way and and loving the E minor C major chords and you know the the kind of a bit melancholic and uh, somber moods uh, yeah. that we always have done. Because I I enjoyed the uh, island and also sunrise that was that was out in two thousand and nineteen right that was your first yeah. album on Apollon really and and I would say that Zero is a natural continuation of that but like uh more uh, like distilled in a way it's like even stronger the things that are strong on the island and and on uh, uh, Sunrise are sort of even more powerful on this new album did you guys feel like that while you were writing it that you were sort of <laughs> reaching something new something stronger and better with the band 
I think we had a, a, a more clear vision about the Zero album. Mm. And, you know, the island was like the first album and it had like parts of songs that we have written for like, yeah, 30 years. So it's, it's more like the start with the fragments put together. Mm. Uh, and we we think that the, the island was uh, a kind of a good start. Then we can like see if uh, if all this fits together. And then uh, came sunrise, and that that was more a, like a, yeah a normal collaboration, and mm, we had like yeah. an idea of what we want to do and stuff. But I think on zero we have taken it to another level uh, with. Uh, uh, the songwriting, uh, the sound, the lyrics, everything. I think it's more like um, it, it's much better. <laughs> it's not bragging, but uh, I think it's it's a, um, a higher level of uh, everything we've done. So, and uh, I, I can also I feel that now we have like the zero, the act uh, acts one and two, and we're now working on three and four. And uh, I've, we we are in you know, like a creative uh, flow. I think yeah. uh, things uh, just uh, pops up and uh, new songs and stuff, and we share with each other. And uh, Yamika is like the core man with the studio, who like uh, polish and uh, and stuff like that. So uh, there's something about uh, uh, I just feel. Uh, Everything is like revealing of what is called is flowing out now yeah. in a way. So <laughs> yeah, it's like everything uh, starts to fall a place in a way. Yeah, I, I, you know, I chatted a bit to you, Jan Mikael, before this. Uh, we did we we while we were working on setting this interview up, and you told me a little bit about how this pandemic that we're living through now actually made it possible for you guys maybe to concentrate fuller or work you know more intensely on this album could you tell us a little bit about the process of recording the album because i believe you mastered and or you 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 produced it and and mixed it yourself and then you have Jakob Jakob Holm Lupo which of course is known from White Willow and tons of other you know telepath and tons of other, other stuff so so how did this uh, how did the recording process and the writing process and everything work with this in in this these times of plague that we are sort of uh, I, I would like to start with saying um, uh, when Hovar and I started out in 86 with our band that was mostly because uh, Hovar had a father he still has who uh, uh, had many instruments and also made amplifiers and effect box and all that kind of stuff, ah. uh, which we uh, we weren't allowed to use everything, but we did anyway. And he also had a tape recorder. Uh, so uh, we started off by, uh, from the beginning, to record every song that we ever made. And, sound, uh, sound, yeah. sound, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so that was uh, very important, I think, to um, all of to both Hovar and me. But uh, uh, for myself, I've always recorded everything. And when 
I started a band uh, later with uh, Jan-Erik Spacewagen. I also played in a metal band and we had uh, this eight-track uh, cassette recorder. So we also uh, used to record and overdub stuff. So I've always been uh, able to record uh, with, with double tracking. And when uh, I started out uh, again later with uh, I bought uh, a Cubase program, uh, that was because uh, our album with Gate 9 was recorded in a studio by a guy yeah. called Thomas Rud, and he was very uh, good on this uh, program on computer called Cubase, and I was very interested in that. So I was sitting with him every time I could and mixing our stuff with him and learned a lot from his, uh, this guy in Horton. Yeah. Uh, um, and uh, I think it was about uh, the time when uh, Fear of a Blank Planet by Porcupine Tree came out. I got aware of Stephen Wilson, and uh, I, I immediately liked that album. And uh, read a lot about Stephen Wilson and how he started out the same way as Paul and I with the tape recording. Of course, more professional than us, but uh, the importance of having your own equipment. And it didn't have to be a very, uh, uh, it could be cheap equipment. Uh, it was more important to be able to use the stuff. I was so inspired by uh, Stephen Wilson and, uh, and his story. And, uh, and he also opened up this gate into the old prog world with Yes and Jethro Tull and all that uh, stuff. King Crimson, all the things he had remixed. Uh, so... Um, when Hovar and I recorded the 30 Years song, which is the first Laughing Stock song, really. It yeah. wasn't supposed to be, but it became that way. Uh, I, I started to um, work harder on uh, learning the recording techniques and using the Cubase uh, properly. So uh, the first The Island record we made was very amateurish. Um, but uh, when we got the record, uh, we got signed by Apollon. Uh, I think uh, we, especially uh, for me, it was uh, like uh, somebody had uh, some confidence in what we were doing was good enough. Exactly. With, uh, the cheap, yeah. Yeah, so with all this cheap stuff and all that. So, uh, and when Jakob Holm Lupo then contacted me after sunrise. And uh, and wanted to uh, to mix or master or anything for us. And I I really felt that uh, yes, what we do is good enough. And I I always had confidence in our songwriting. I think that's uh, the best thing about all three of us. Yeah. Mm. Very good also songwriters some, uh... together, even if we make. But yeah, now there also we, was some confidence make, in your yeah. recordings, right? With uh, Jakob uh, saying that he enjoyed your music and he wanted to work with you. Yeah, so uh, uh, then finally I had some confidence in uh, the sound as well. And I sp spoke with him and uh, is this good enough? And he could tell me back, yeah, I would probably do this and that, but overall sound is very good, he told us. Uh, or me then, and then 
I think that went very much into the production of a zero. That uh, this is good enough, and we can make it even better. So, uh, um, uh, so some small upgrades, uh, microphones, and uh, sound card exactly. upgrade, and uh, just small things uh, can make uh, a whole lot of uh, things. <laughs> yeah, improvement. Uh, make can, the yeah. whole experience improve. It's uh, a whole lot. So. Uh, uh, and of course, the mastering by uh, Jakob uh, made the sound better. But uh, yeah, I think we learned a lot. And even if we don't make too many songs together, we always uh, help each other with the songs and uh, comment on each other uh, and uh, uh, share ideas, arrangements, and everything. Yeah. So, so how, how does so how... I think? Uh, we, how I think, does that yeah, songwriting just, uh, uh, to close this so that this confidence, the newfound confidence in our material and our sound, has made our music better? If you are enjoying this interview, please head over to theprogspace.com for more reviews, articles, pictures, and interviews all about progressive music. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Theprogspace.com I would I would like to say that uh, Jan Mikael has been working in his studio I think every day since we started Loving Stock uh, and many hours and and all that work is uh, paying off uh, <laughs> that's very clear so uh, I'm very happy I'm sure Jan-Erik is too just to be able to be part of that uh, energy yeah. so it helps I think I think it helps me uh, uh, to to use my potential more uh, because uh, yeah, it's, it's this uh, bandwagon <laughs> really going. So, so and I, I think I would like to say about the songwriting and, and the dyna- dynamics in the band we have talked about in many, many times that together, the three of us, we have almost all types of music presented mm-hmm. as, uh, yeah. as a kind of uh, uh, experience. So, so, so when uh, when Jan Mikael and I started stopped playing playing together in nineteen ninety three, so so I, I started uh, studying classical music and I was into jazz and uh, music from all, all around the world. Played in a, a band from uh, Bosnia. <laughs> and, really? And I, 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 I really didn't listen much to pop and rock yeah, at all, uh, and. Uh, no metal uh, at all. <laughs> so, so while Jan Mikael was going in the metal direction, uh, I was going the totally other way. Diff- so yeah, I think it was uh, a few years after 2000. We have always have have a good contact uh, all the years, and, and and then we started ch- chatting on uh, on uh, on the phone and and uh, on the computer and things like that about music and old music, and uh, it was it was. It was uh, uh, ecstasy and the Beatles all all over again, and it was also, also finding new new music together, like uh, Fleet Foxes, uh, Bon Iver, and and uh, Jonathan Wilson. So uh, it was kind of Americana and folk rock uh, in the beginning, maybe, and, yeah. and more and more uh, prog rock from about 
2014, I think uh, the big love for Jetro Toll came in <laughs> and Gentle Giant, and we uh, discovered that together. And I think that then the, you have those folk influences yeah. in the, their music so, as well with the prog, right? Yeah. So yeah, so I think so. We we went different ways uh, and and then found together through prog and uh, and through folk rock. Yeah. So and, and I think that uh, the music Jan Erik makes is also uh, an, another uh, an, another color and uh, some some of it uh, a bit folk rock, some bit indie rock. It's uh, beautiful and and something else that uh, then I or Jan Michael make. So we have kind of free colors in the in that palette so so what are your inspirations or your you sort of influences Jan Erik then would you say that you you bring into the the whole laughingstock experience uh <laughs> yeah i think i think it's a little bit same as uh, Michael and Hovard. i have like i think the only thing different from me i like in the rock uh, together with, uh, I, I I love a lot of metal bands. Yeah, I love jazz. I I love uh, pop music. I'm not like into uh, one special uh, genre or something like that. I, I I like as long. My son is 14 years old, and he's 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 like you know into hip hop and, uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. So now I'm starting to. Uh, are starting to listen to a lot of that, like uh, Kid Cudi and uh, uh, Kendrick Lamar and stuff like mm. that. And there's also a lot of good music. I think the most important thing is if you have something to tell, and yeah. if you tell that in a in a good way, then it doesn't matter if it's like metal, hip hop, uh, jazz, or anything, as long as you hit me with that feeling, and uh that's that's the nice thing uh, about laughing stock that's uh, we have like uh uh Mikael, uh introduced me to metal and i love i love metal we've been to like a couple of hundred metal concerts together and and uh, our favorite i think it's like corn and uh, i myself lo- i love uh, lamb of god hmm. uh but when I when I listen to music, I, c- I can put on a, like a Lamb of God uh, record, and the next can be like a Norwegian uh, uh, jazz. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just I, I I like the uh, what is called contrast. This, yeah. this is this is like uh, kind of way this normal that we ended in the prog. I think yeah. we ended in the prog progressive music because. We have all this different uh, inspiration, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I couldn't agree more with you with that, you know, any genre of music has some good and interesting stuff to it. And as you say, when an artist has something to tell or a message they want to bring out, there's often there's quality there. So like you, I would say, you know, during today i've listened to norwegian black metal band emperor and then i've listened to your album and i listened to kate bush so that's you know it's all kinds of <laughs> of music that goes into and and i can sort of hear that in your you guys's 
pro- music and production that you know here is influences from so many things and i'm interesting that you mentioned fleet foxes because when i listened to your albums i was like there is some definite americana stuff here and then i was like oh there there is some i I felt like there is some fleet foxes here somewhere hiding amongst the prog or the pink floydy part or something and i absolutely love it you you know i want to move on to the the concept of the album because i found it very interesting this concept of zero which is sort of the main character right and and which is a, a young young boy or a teenager who's sort of going through something quite difficult with isolation and all this and and i felt like this was even more um you know interesting or even more prominent today with this period we are in now where i guess a lot of us both younger and older people are sort of missing out on socialization and you know being around other people and i guess for young people it's even tougher because they are sort of learning how to interact with other humans or other people or society around them and now they're closed out out from that so did the current you know situation go into the theme of the album or is this something you have been working on for a while and 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 how did this idea for this concept album uh arrive at you for you uh yeah i think it started out uh firstly i have to say uh uh two albums that's uh, been very uh, inspirational for me and for the other guys uh, i'm sure i know it's uh, the album uh, tommy by the who mm. and of course uh, the wall by pink floyd yeah it shares uh, many uh, common uh, threads in the storyline yeah there's some dna but, uh, there yeah yeah. yeah, but the core story is about uh, a boy who is detached from the world and is very lonely. Uh, and both of those stories are uh, uh, are grand, but we wanted to take uh, that story into uh, a more relatable uh, uh, environment. Yeah, uh, because I, I think it started with uh, me making the song "Nighttime," and it was yeah. a standalone song at first about uh, this. Uh, boy who was uh, uh, sitting in his room uh, and had, having trouble sleeping because his mother was downstairs having a party and uh, all this noise and he was alone uh, yeah. in his room and uh, so it, it uh, went uh, uh, from that uh, point of view then but uh, it also I think it's a kind of Many musicians and artists can relate to that because I think this melancholia, which seeps into our music, is a little personal too. Because I at least felt, even I was never lonely as a kid, I always had friends, but I also always felt a bit detached from the other kids who were doing different stuff like sports and. Well, uh, chasing girls or anything. I wanted to be in my room. I was an only kid living with my mother. And I was always in my room uh, listening to music or drawing cartoons or uh, uh, reading books and Hovar. Uh, he, he didn't go to the same school as uh, me, but we were together almost every weekend. 
Right. So we had this common interest in being alone <laughs> and doing our <laughs> and doing our stuff. Yeah. So yeah. it was. Uh, uh, so it's a little bit of a personal experience, but uh, but most of all, it's uh, it goes out to all these heroes around the world. And I am a teacher. Well, I was a teacher, and we see those boys and girls yeah. every day in yeah. school, and they are everywhere. Yeah, there are so many zeros, but uh, I I won't say too much. But it, it's coming. Uh, the acts three and four is coming, and uh, and uh, uh, I think uh, if you listen to the songs and read the lyrics, I think uh, some people will find it a bit comforting. Uh, the album and uplifting, uh, even if it seems like it's a sad story. I think it can be uplifting for yeah. many people if you really go into the songs. Yeah, I would like to add uh, as well that uh, I think we tried to make the story a bit uh, abstract because it uh, was meant to be open to other people's uh, experiences. Exactly, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think for me it was, I, I think uh, Jan-Erik and I maybe misunderstood uh, <laughs> Jan-Mikael's uh, um, mail when he sent us the, the song Nighttime uh, and the story behind Nighttime because I immediately thought he meant this is a concept album <laughs> and we started talking about it, about it as a uh, concept album, we need that and that and he really it was just a song but then, then we started uh, and for me it was a kind of uh, abstract thought that what happens to a person who doesn't get anything uh, on an emotional level, oh. he, he he gets to eat, he gets to go to school, yeah. he's warm, but yeah. he has no support from from day one, no yeah. real love, and and, and no friends, and, uh, and and no no kind of uh, affirmation anytime. Uh, and what happens to uh, that was the kind of uh, the challenge. I, I think, oh, uh, yeah. and, and without saying too much. Uh, it, it we we we're working now uh, in in the next part. Uh, how how can it go on from that? Yeah, C- zero. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Ha- having yeah. zero, being zero, and, and feeling feeling like a zero. Is there a way out? Yeah. Question mark. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, yeah, I think it's it's a very uh, interesting, very pertinent. Uh, sort of message or and i and i agree with you guys that this leaving this room for interpretation or for you you know inserting yourself into the story is something that that makes the album even better because you know like you said Jan Mikael i i think a lot of uh people older and younger can recognize themselves in what you're talking about you know uh, maybe not being the outsider, but at times, at least, we I guess we all feel like the outsider or the one who is sort of wants to be alone with his or her, uh, you know, thoughts and interests and whatever. So yeah. I, f- I find it, I, I found it a very, you know, touching album. And uh, I think it's very, yeah. yeah. It's important. It's a it's it's a important uh, subject because, as teachers, I guess you guys, you know, I've I worked as a teacher as well, and I and I totally 
get what you're saying. There are so many silent, you know, zeros out there that, uh, you know, needs to be uh, heard and seen. And and maybe listening to an album like this will, you know, make you feel like you're a part of something. I want to ask about something because you, you mentioned his mother. And for the character of the mother, you... Uh, got got a very interesting guest, someone I I hadn't heard of before, but I had to do some research and listen to some music, and oh. I had to say I absolutely uh, love it. Samantha Price is that her name? I'm an American yes. singer songwriter. How did that happen? Yes, uh, it uh, it happened like uh, when we were uh, uh, when we were releasing uh, Sunrise. Uh, Robin Mortensen, uh, our uh, Apollo boss, main man, <laughs> yeah. the Apollo boss, the he chief told of me, yeah. uh, 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 we had to uh, work as hard as we could on social media to uh, get attention because yes. he, they have no money to do, do that kind of thing. So he gave us homework that when uh, Sunrise was released, we, we had to have uh, at least 500 followers on Facebook. This was kind of a joke, but also uh, with a little bit yeah, of like seriousness. Like a little bit of a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, um, uh, I, I really chased uh, friends uh, on Facebook, uh, but what I was chasing the most was other musicians uh, to uh, befriend uh, yeah. Norwegian and uh, and from other countries. and uh, To build a um, network. And to build a network and uh, to my surprise, many of those uh, people uh, were easy to talk to uh, on Messenger, uh, even if they were kind of uh, famous people, yeah. in my opinion. <laughs> uh, and uh, Jakob Holm Lupo was one of them. I hadn't heard of him before back then, but uh, uh, I get to know him and his work later and he told me if you want you want a collaboration with someone just ask yeah he said uh, uh, and uh, so uh, uh, suddenly I got this friend request uh, from this Samantha Price who was mm-hmm. uh, I think doing the same thing as me trying to befriend people who were musicians uh, uh, just to uh, get a network and uh, so I thought about what uh, I'd listened to some of her songs, and so I thought it was very nice, uh, kind of a, a Carol King uh, slash uh, Johnny Mitchell kind of thing, yep. which I liked. And I thought what uh, Lupo had told me, and then I sent her a message, you want to sing on a song? Yes, she said, and uh, bring it on, and I sent her the song, and I didn't hear anything. So I thought, okay. But uh, suddenly I got this message uh, that she was moving from the United States to England. And she was sorry that she hadn't uh, listened to the song. And she asked for me to send it one more time because mm. I sent it on WeTransfer and it was... Yeah, it, it expired. Uh, you know, uh, expired. So I sent it again and uh, she recorded the vocals for it. Uh, uh, and uh, it was... <laughs> Yeah, I think it's uh, suited the song very fine. It got uh, uh, another vibe, so I added this uh, extra chorus on the end with the acoustic guitar because uh, that's how her voice sounds the best. In yeah, my she's, so I yeah. thought to showcase her the most, I added one more chorus. 
and uh, she, so she's singing on one song for the next album as well. Oh, uh, re- reprising the role, uh, you could say. I see. Yeah. So it's it's just a matter. It's just uh, because of uh, befriending on via Facebook, uh, really. You reached out so, and, uh, and yeah, or so she I, reached I, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I would bring that on uh, to other people. Uh, uh, it's to um, it's not too scary to send a message to a musician that you admire or like or anything. Just to ask a simple question. Many people are very um, uh, polite and uh, listen to your music uh, and give you their opinion back. And yeah. that's also a nice thing, like uh, that John Young in Life Science, I remember sending him the song Afraid, Jan Eric's song for Sunrise, asking him what do you, if he would listen to it. Yeah, And he did, and... Uh, and uh, even left a reply on YouTube that he liked the song and it all. So uh, that, that kind of thing is very uh, uplifting when you are unknown and maybe unsure about your music. Yeah, I think I think that's very very good advice. You know, my experience from working with I wouldn't say a music journalist, but at least being you know a amateur music journalist for many many years is that. If you reached out to musicians, they are ninety nine percent of the time they're very eager to talk to you to do something you know with your the media you're working with and so I think we're all trying to network and we're all trying to you know bring out this music and, and I'm uh, related to that I just want to like ask you because we're we're coming up on the end of the interview here I feel but but uh the progressive you guys aren't really, you know, a straight-up progressive band, but you have been very welcomed, I feel, and very, you know, included into the progressive rock scene and the progressive rock community. How has that experience been since you started, you know, reaching out through the channels and and, and being a part of the progressive rock scene? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's been... Um... Uh, it's been a, a very nice experience to uh, to be a part of a society in Norway. Yeah, uh, I learned a lot about Norwegian music. I have to say, I hadn't heard about any of the Poland bands before. I hadn't. Had, uh, it was actually on Eric who introduced me to Björn Ries and then Airbag, but I'd never heard of those guys before. And uh, I remember Jan Eric told me about this band Soup. Yeah, and uh, then along came Leprous. I never heard uh, even of those guys before, only as the backing band for Esan. And yeah, I thought exactly, they were straight yeah. up uh, mm. black metal band, but they were not. Nope. Uh, so, uh, so I think the progressive movement in Norway is is very very healthy and uh, nice because uh, in our early years, the name Laughing Stock, I think, is a little pun on that as well. All the bands, Jan Erik and I. We were out of fashion and uh, we were laughed at in terms of when we played live. Mm-hmm. All the bands that I've ever played in have been uh, been downspoken, I have to say. I see. Uh, but, yeah. uh, but in this uh, progressive music movement in uh, Norway, it's the other way around. Everyone is applauding each other and helping each other out. And that's yes. a, a totally different experience than I have. At, uh, and the worst I had when I played in metal band, uh, people were just. Uh, 
uh, is vaccinated against uh, saying positive things about other people. <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah. And I would like to say that uh, the international program community is uh, something else as well. It's uh, really feeling welcome in all the world. Uh, mm -hmm. People like you in these radios and uh, fan sites and magazines working uh, so hard to to make uh, our music and other other program bands known. It's uh, quite enheartening, really. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, I have to agree with you. You know, for me as well, having a my sort of my background or my way into prog was through metal and, you know, black metal, death metal, you know, the more technical stuff of the early 90s. And and I agree with you. It's, it's much more of a cutthroat scene where you sometimes feel that bands are, everyone's on their own and speaking up each other isn't always you know what happens but with the prog you know there's it's a bit of a different vibe you know everybody is trying to lift each other up and i think that's uh that's uh very you know it's it's very positive so uh, you guys have mentioned several times now that you're working on part three and four of zero and uh, i'm sure that you probably had hopes for other to do other things like you know release a release concert or being able to play this material live uh, and so on what are the plans you know or what plans can you make in a situation like we're in now you know for the future of laughingstock are you hoping to be able to to you know gig or tour uh, when we maybe towards the end of this year somehow uh, we yeah. had uh, we had some uh, <laughs> yeah we had some uh, concert that been postponed like everybody else you know yeah. so uh, that's a little what I say sad I think that yeah. we we I think like uh, 2020 was like a year what we started out and suddenly it just uh, <laughs> everything yeah. locked down yeah. And yeah so but but we have. Um, we have plans, so uh, we want to play. We want to play live, and um, uh, we have like uh, had a couple of uh, rehearsals and stuff like that. But uh, I think our plan is to to play as much live as we can. Yeah. So uh, uh, we are open for <laughs> the businesses. <laughs> exactly, and, and 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 for part three and four. Can you say anything about where you are in the process of that? When when can we expect to hear something? Uh, I will say uh, that we're halfway into it. Uh, we have done like we have done before, uh, writing songs on our own, and Ovid uh, and Eric sends over to me, and we discuss, and then I maybe arrange something on the songs, and we discuss a little more, and now. Uh, we have decided that now we have enough stuff for half the album yeah almost finished and uh, the rest we are planning to make together so we have to meet all three and uh, oh. go away to some uh, strange cabin in the woods or something <laughs> and uh, and collaborate to the final act uh, really yeah and we have all uh, so uh, i hope i hope uh, uh, we get it out uh, around Christmas sometime. 
December, yeah. January, uh, and uh, yeah, have a, have a, a single ready, but we have to wait to release it, of course. Of uh, course, yeah. And now we have to concentrate on the parts uh, acts one, one and, and two. two. Yeah. Yeah, and and another thing is that uh, when you get uh, all these positive reactions from people, you really feel that uh, the next album has to be uh, not equal but better than that one. So uh, there's some expectation, when it's they they has yes, and they have to be seen together as a whole, and then yeah, you can't do like uh, so many double albums seem to fail uh, around the third side. Yeah, like topographic oceans or something. It has to be consistent all the way to yeah, the end. Exactly, exactly. Well, I'm very happy to hear that we will be hearing more music from you guys, maybe even this year. And yes. you know, until then, I think people should go over to your Facebook, your Bandcamp, everything. Everything will be on screen, and. Buy the album, listen to the album, just check the guys out. Also, please like and subscribe, I have to say. It helps us at the Prog Space. And thank you guys so much for uh, talking to me about Zero. Thank you. Thank you very much for asking us. <laughs> yeah, it was great. The Prog Talks, produced by the Prog Space. Main host, Rune Belsvik-Reynos. Produced by Rune Belsvik-Reynos, Vanessa and Matthias Kirsch. All graphics and animations by Vanessa Kirsch. Intro theme by Giuseppe Negri. Outro theme by Zach Munovitz. This was the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. See you in a week.